Hello, everyone. My name is Chris Powers, and I want to thank you for joining me on the Fort Podcast today. This show is an open-ended discussion and journey covering real estate, business, entrepreneurship, and investing. I would love to hear from you by tweeting me at Fort Worth Chris on Twitter. Hey guys, it's Chris. Thank you so much for joining me on The Fort today. I have Kenneth Schlenker with me today, who's the founder of an app called Opal. And I started using Opal probably 90 days ago. Uh, disclaimer, not an investor, just a passionate user. And I had to get Kenneth on. And what Opal does is helps folks get less distracted on their phone. I bet you didn't know it, but the average American is on their phone at least four hours a day. And if any of y'all follow me on Twitter, you know I bought a light phone last year, which was uh, my attempt to help be less distracted on my phone. That did not work at all, uh, unfortunately, but Opal has. So downloaded the app, we've been in communication, and I'm just gonna read you a manifesto and then we'll dive into the episode. But I think in this world of digital overload, we are living in an interesting period of time where people's brains are being so overloaded right now with information. Uh, It's hard to process, it's hard to understand what's true and what's not true. And Opal does an amazing job of just helping you kind of manage your time on your iPhone. And so I'm gonna read you their manifesto and then we'll jump right into the episode. Today, we spend more waking hours on screens than in real life. That time is unguarded and much of it gets stolen from us. When our time is stolen, we cannot be in control of our lives. Some companies specialize in stealing our time on screens using features like notifications, infinite scrolling, AI curated feeds, subconscious triggers, and disappearing stories. These distraction companies use advanced science to hook us and make us lose control. When we choose to spend time on apps, it can be wonderful. We can laugh, be amazed, learn from friends, see the world, and connect in new ways. However, we often stay on these apps for longer than we would like, and we even unintentionally open them. When we lose our time in this way, we often feel guilty, frustrated, or anxious. We often feel like we have wasted our time, our creativity, and our potential. We have been distracted. Distraction companies have turned our screens into mindless distraction devices. We have settled for too long. Self-control is not enough to fight addiction science. Screen time settings are no match. Now is the time to reset how we spend time on our screens. We can and must rewire our screens and our mindfulness. Together, we will take back control of our screens and start to identify and block distractions, set intentions, use apps on timers and set general reminders, feel good about the time we do spend on our screens, learn about our screen time, identify patterns of behavior in our different emotional states, receive personalized nudges that will help us find balance each day, and receive support from friends. Every one of us deserves control over our lives and our time. With more control over how we spend our time, we can become our best selves, whether that is a better friend, lover, parent, musician, financier, athlete, chef, That is all up to us. When we take back control of our screens, we will have a powerful tool to fulfill our potential each and every day. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Kenneth, uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Chris. Looking forward to it. Will you just start out with a little bit about kind of your story growing up and kind of your career and where uh, landed you today at Opal? 
Sure, absolutely. I um, grew up in a small village in the French Alps, surrounded by trees and nature. And I kind of found myself falling in love with technology early on and started coding websites, went into a career in technology. And I've been kind of searching for most of my life for balance, you know, and looking for ways to remain connected and, you know, keep discovering incredible things, connecting in incredible ways that technology offers while still being able to disconnect and, you know, find some time to go out to nature, you know, have time for, for friends and family. And I kind of slowly realized uh, in recent years that this search for balance is something that a lot of people are looking for right now, which is, you know, why um, I started Opal. And, um, you know, Opal is a digital well-being assistance. What it does is it helps you um, save time, find focus, and develop a healthier relationship with your screens. And we are, you know, today live on the App Store and um, at the beginning of a hopefully very long adventure helping people with their digital well-being. Yeah, it seems like, you know, the promise of technology and the iPhone and everything we've lived, we've kind of gone through that period of this is amazing and this is going to change our lives. And, and a lot of the conversation today is starting to, it's like people are re-waking up again and they're like, well, wait a second. I'm I, I like, I'm a lot more unhappy. You see a lot more depression and suicide is starting to spike. People are staying on social media for a long time. Like, and you're at kind of the intersection of, okay, let's let's let the pendulum come back. What is like the inflection point that everybody's now starting to wake up and realize like maybe this is more of a problem? I don't know if the word's a problem, but a, a problem than we think it is. Yeah, and I think I think that's right. You know, you, essentially when you look at information availability in the last uh, you know, 50 years. Also, uh, what we've seen is an explosion, and it's actually kind of looking like an exponential curve. You know, today we have access and process much more information per minute than you know any human in history because of our smartphones, because of our access to social media, it's all sorts of incredible things. The issue is, you know, the human capacity to process that information has pretty much stayed the same in the last hundreds of thousands of years, and so there's a information overload for a lot of people that causes a lot of issues. You know, it causes anxiety, it causes uh, you know, sleep issues, it, causes, it can cause depression. And so what we're saying is it's not all good or all bad. You, know, you can actually enjoy social media, you can enjoy the great things that uh, technology has to offer, but in moderation. So you know, it's not much different from, I guess, the way we view food today. You know, we 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 know that food is incredible. Uh, it's great to have access to a lot of food, but we also know that you know if you eat five hamburgers in ten minutes, you're probably not going to feel great. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we're I think still at this stage where people are starting to realize that you know having five digital hamburgers in a row is is probably not the the, the greatest thing. And so, I think that inflection point, you know, is happening uh, right now. I think the pandemic has a lot to do with this. People have been kind of stuck indoors and consuming a lot of screen time. And so, you know, I think we're starting to see a lot more people thinking about digital well-being and thinking about what it means to be well with screen time and technology. Yeah. And you mentioned you kind of made the metaphor of the hamburgers. It's like, at least with food, when you eat five hamburgers, 
you know you're eating five hamburgers. But when you pull out your phone and get on Instagram, you're kind of vulnerable to this could be a good experience. I could get my mind could get hijacked. I see that one thing that kind of sends me down a funnel. You know, can you speak a little more to that? Like, is there data around how obscure the experience is when you get on your phone? Like how much we actually don't know what we're about to get into every time we pull it out and we end up eating five cheeseburgers that we didn't intend to eat? Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting, right? When you look at the way I don't, the way I use my phone usually is, you know, you've got this idea in mind. Maybe you want to check a text. Maybe you want to, you know, check the weather, whatever it is. And you, you, you start with this intention, but then you get pulled in and then you lose that intention and you start, uh, you know, scrolling and then you wake up, uh, you know, 20 minutes later and figuring out you know, what have I done in the last 20 minutes? What am I doing? You know, watching, uh, watching these videos. And so it's interesting in that the way this technology has been built and the way a lot of social media has been built is actually to kind of make you lose your intention. So you, you get in with an intention and you lose it really fast. And I think that uh, you're right in that, you know, it's probably even more addictive than, than, you know, hamburgers might be or that food might be in the sense that you don't necessarily know what you're going to get. And also, more importantly, you know, it's engineered in a way that will um, kind of take you from, you know, that one feed to that one post to another, that one video to another, that one piece of news to another in a way that really makes you lose your intention. So, you know, what we think is core to changing behavior is actually just bringing a little bit more intentionality, like just helping you think about what it is you want right now, what it is you want to achieve, what it is you're, the reason why you're using your screens and your, and your devices. And we think that's really core to changing people's uh, behaviors and um, helping them better manage their screen time. That's my favorite part about the app. It also embarrasses me the most is when I turn uh, the focus uh, the focus timer on or I, or I start Opal and then I like log into Twitter on accident and it makes you answer the question, I want to get on Twitter for 10 minutes because almost 99 times out of 100, I just press never mind and put my phone back down. As humans, are we becoming conditioned to just pull out your phone and get on it? We don't even really know we're doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's, so there is some data around that. And, um, you know, some of the most recent data said, you know, 150 times, you put out your phone about 150 times a day. I actually think this is underestimating it, but yeah, we, we do this out of reflex and, you know, an interesting test you can do is, you know, you, you, you literally, uh, you know, you put a post-it on your phone or you put some actual visual cue and you try to figure out every time you put out your phone to try to pause and think about what am I doing here? Why, what is it that I want? And what's interesting when you do that is, you know, most times you actually don't have an intention. You're literally doing this unconsciously. And so, um, yeah, these, these you know, pieces of software have been kind of built for that and, you know, really successful. And, you know, it's, it's not necessarily the way a lot of people want to live. And so, uh, we're trying to, we're trying to change that. You, I was reading your TechCrunch article on the Series A, and it talks about just kind of how a lot of these big companies have hired scientists who are trained basically to keep us on our phones and to keep us uh, engaged. Can you just speak to like what are those scientists doing, and and what what is the act that they're doing that's keeping us so engaged? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's pretty simple in that 
you know, the, the way a lot of these companies work and, you know, whether it's social media companies, um, and notably social media companies like Facebook and, and many others, is uh, they're optimizing for trying to get you to spend as much time as possible uh, on, uh, on their app or on their website. And so what happens is when you have a very clear goal in mind and then you put together lots of really smart people to figure out a way uh, to reach that goal, then they, they do a really good job at it. And um, there's a lot of different ways in which in which these apps and these websites are really successful at, at hooking you. That's been pretty well documented. But you look at you know, your phone, things like disappearing stories, um, whether it's you know, Instagram or now many other services are doing that, uh, things like infinite scrolling, things like well-timed notifications on your phone are really features that have been built with the goal of making it as addictive as possible, making you lose as quick as possible your intention and creating this cycle of reward that makes you hooked. And so there's many you know, great uh, books and references about around that. It's very well documented on you know, how you can actually create an addictive tech product. And you know, a lot of engineers have kind of learned these techniques and applied them really, really well to lots of, of these apps and, and websites. When you said well-timed notification, do a lot of these companies, like let's just say somebody likes something, they'll delay the notification a little bit just to time it right so that it doesn't always happen. Like they want you to keep getting them as you're on the app. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it can be super complex, but essentially they're going to test again and again and again to see exactly what is the right time, what is the right text uh, to put in those notifications that will create the highest amount of engagement. Uh, You know, Facebook notably has some psychographics data where they can actually kind of understand you on a level um, that uh, most people don't necessarily understand themselves of, you know, whether, whether you are, what kind of state of mind you're in, uh, whether you're, uh, you know, more sad, more depressed, uh, more happy. And, you know, those companies kind of leverage that information to you know, time notifications um, and influence you in the most um, potent way. I mean, I'm not the first to say that. There's lots of great people that have, you know, worked on that and are kind of uh, talking about these subjects, whether it's the Center of Humane Technology with Tristan Harris that, you know, kind of pushed this uh, information out to the world and first kind of really made it public. He's a former uh, Google ethicist. And, you know, there's he actually produced a great documentary recently on Netflix uh, called The Social Dilemma that goes into quite a lot of detail around how these uh, how these things happen. But yeah, essentially, you know, well-timed notifications are a good example of something that is, you know, pretty much, you know, it's, it's, it's addiction science, nothing more or nothing less. And these scientists are being paid hundreds and if not millions of dollars a year to come up with these kind of algorithms that will just keep us pulling our phone out. I mean, I can't tell you since I've gotten the app, you're, I've probably been on it for three months, how embarrassed I am about 20 times a day every time I pull out my phone because I legitimately almost never have a great reason for why I pull out my phone. Occasionally, I have to email, text my wife, do something. But are these scientists being paid to keep us on for five hours to sell ads? I watch The Social Dilemma. At the end of the day, we're really the product, not the customer. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. You know, and I think, I mean, a lot of people, you know, it starts with, with a good intention. You know, I think if you look at Facebook, right? So it's about connecting people. It's about creating community. 
lots of incredible things that come out of, of, of Facebook, right? And uh, I, I believe it's 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 all about um, it's all about balance. So I'm still on Facebook. I have Instagram. I have Twitter. I have all these apps, and I actually enjoy them. But the fact is that I think I should be in control over you know how many times I go check it and how I go check it. And so th- the problem is, yeah, these people that are working in these companies, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of optimizing towards creating more and more engagement, not necessarily thinking about, okay, what is the, you know, what is, what is the actual implication here um, on people's well-being, uh, on people's, you know, relationships, on people's levels of anxiety. And I think, um, yeah, I think that is, that is a problem. Um, so we think that, you know, you, you, can, you can enjoy these things, but you can keep them in check as well. And that's really how, you know, Opal you know, views, views, we view our role. It's a system that kind of can help you, you know, keep these things in check and help you be the master, you know, be in control of your time. You shouldn't feel embarrassed. I feel exactly the same way as you do. I check my phone many times a day and actually um, get those notifications. Oftentimes what it does, is it just like creates a little bit of friction before I go check this app to think about, okay, you know, do I really want to do this right now? And actually, a lot of times I don't. And so I actually, you know, put my phone back or put my phone away. And I've saved an average session time on Twitter, which could be seven minutes on average. Um, so I've, I've saved that time to do, to do something else. So you shouldn't, be, you shouldn't feel ashamed. There's many people and, you know, we've, we've got now thousands of people using the app. And they, they all enjoy it for that reason, um, because it is very hard to rely on our self-control. Um, I think a lot of people as well, you know, there's, there's this kind of idea that be a man, you know, be, uh, or, or a woman, like be, you know, you, 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 you're fine. You've got your self-control, uh, you know, you only need your self-control. But actually, you know, these um, new technologies really beat our self-control. And I think, you know, this, we've got limits as, uh, as humans and it's fine to need help. And so that's also the message we want with Opal. It's not about, you know, blaming. It's not about uh, shaming. And so I, I apologize if you, you feel a little bit of that. Uh, it's really about, yeah, it's okay. You can, you, know, you can feel good about it. We're here to help. Um, and I think that's also very important to, uh, uh, you know, change your relationship with, uh, with technology. No. And I, and I would, and I would echo that. I, I honestly, every time I get that Opal notification, that's like, why are you using it? It has started to condition me to where I actually am getting to the point where I'm, as I reach for my phone, I'm almost like seeing that notification pop in my head before I get there. And I might just leave it in there. It's been a, an amazing experience for me, but it's also really been the first app that's helped me kind of realize that, like I'm not as in self-control as I think. And I think you nailed it. We, we all think we can, but you know, the, the dopamine hit of a, a red notification that somebody likes something you did is sometimes too powerful to, uh, to imagine. And, you know, I've got young kids, a family, I don't want to go home and be checking my phone all the time, but it's, it tends to be, um, a big part of what happens. Uh, what data are you seeing with regards to, I'm thinking about the people that have been born, call it, just say they're like 20 years and under. They've never lived in a world, like I'm only 34, but Facebook didn't come out till my sophomore year of college. I didn't have my first cell phone till I was halfway through high school. I didn't even really like texting till my freshman year of college. But I have two 15-year-old sister-in-laws and I've been able to observe their world. What's the, and, and the world's moved so fast. So my question is, 
how much are the young people using it versus like the old people, call it 65 and above? And is the data showing that every group is starting to be on their phone more? Or how, how, how do you do um, look at things from a, an age perspective? Yeah, sure. You know, I, I think that the, the problem of uh, digital addiction, if you could call it that way, is, is pretty broad, actually. It, it touches people that are really young. It touches people that are you know, well into their 60s. Um, and I think it does for different reasons. You're right. Like the younger generations are uh, much more prepared because they've done this their whole lives. But it doesn't mean that they don't have the, the, the issue. Um, what happens with the younger generations, what we've seen, especially if you look at you know high school and and kind of college students right now, is that um, you know they spend six, seven, eight hours a day on their smartphone, and that's pretty normal uh, for most uh, for most kids that age. But they also need to you know do their homework. They also need to study. They're also required to you know read books, the things that you know maybe you and I were also supposed to do at that time. But, you know, in our days, we didn't have a smartphone, so we didn't have those kinds of levels of distraction. And so they're finding it really hard to basically reconcile uh, the fact that they are happy to spend a lot of time on devices to do lots of things that they like, but then also having to focus and having to spend long, long amounts of time to to study. So that's, that's been a an interesting one. And it's really, really hard, in particular for college students, they're you know, studying for exams, for example. Uh, we're seeing a lot of people in um, working at uh, you know, jobs that require them to be in front of their computers, which now touches lots of people from you know, web developers to designers to people in various um, you know, biz- business positions, teachers, seeing lots of different kinds of, of, of people um, use that we're, see- we're seeing pretty diverse groups and pretty diverse use cases as well. Some people use it for focus at work, uh, not being distracted during their work hours. Some people use it after work to disconnect uh, and be able to be present with family. That's a really important use case. A lot of people use it, you know, when when they're around their kids or their spouse to not be tempted to go and just you know check Twitter or just open uh, you know uh, whatever app they have. And so, you know, we, we try to make it as customizable as possible so that it can fit a lots of different use cases from, you know, the students needing to, you know, read that book for two hours to the parent who from 8 to from maybe, you know, 7 p.m. To, to 9 p.m. wants to be, you know, there with their family. Um, so, yeah, we're trying to, we're trying to uh, cover um, these different groups and, and, and provide them with something they can customize and works for them. So getting into kind of how you thought about the business and and how the business actually works, was there a moment in time? Because before this, I read you were um, you were leading the bird uh, expansion across France. Was there a moment in time that you're like, I'm so convicted in this, I, I have to do this? Was it was it something that happened or you had mentioned you'd just been thinking about it for so long, it finally just captivated you? Yeah, it was actually a very long process. So the the idea. I originally wrote a business plan for this uh, 12 years ago, and originally it was on desktop. So it's something that's been kind of brewing for a very long time. But I think more recently, yes, I did you know work at Bird, which has an extra- extraordinary um, trajectory. As you know, it's a company that raised a lot of money really, really fast. We scaled. I, I hired 170 people in in under one year uh, when I was uh, at Bird, 
And you know, the culture of, of a company that scales so fast is that you have to be always on all the time. And what I saw in particular was not so much on me, but actually a lot of uh, employees, a lot of junior employees, really struggling uh, to figure out how to uh, manage, how to disconnect. Um, and in particular, in like a work environment that kind of required them to, to do this. Um, and so, yeah, that was just one more piece to this very, very long you know, puzzle that was built piece by piece over the last 12 years where I realized with every step how, how important it was. But yeah, seeing people you know, on the verge of burnout when they're 22 uh, because they're on Slack at 11 p.m. answering you know, WhatsApp and Slack at the same time for their work every day um, really also kind of you know, forged my conviction that this was the right time to do this thing. But it was also you know, outside of work looking frankly at my my own father who was in, in his 60s and um, also loves technology and you know his relationship to, to, to his phone all the way to my uh, my niece who's 10 who's starting to have her first experiences on, on on devices and and seeing how addictive it can be at an early age so really seeing that it touched a lot of people not just the like people working in tech but the general uh, population was, you know, showed me that this was the right time. Yeah. And how does it work? Because if I, I have an iPhone and they allow you to set kind of parameters on how much you use stuff, but it's so easy just to press ignore. Opal has been just so much more effective. So how does it work? And then I want to talk a little bit about what are the things that customers are asking for that maybe you didn't expect when you first started it? Sure. Yeah, so uh, Apple does offer uh, screen time. Google has something called Google Wellbeing. So those big companies, you know, they understand that um, it's a problem and that you need to provide some tools for people. But the issue, I think, is that they're conflicted because they can't really build a tool that effectively makes people use their phones less. Uh, it's uh, contrary to their um, you know, interests. So what we what we actually when we first started with Opal, what we did is we actually ran a survey with thousands of people, and we tried to figure out why people, what people thought of screen time, the um, you know iOS native functionality, and you know why they were using it or why they were not using it. And what we found is exactly what you're saying like people have all tried it, but couldn't stick to it. It's too easy to ignore. Um, it doesn't fit well the context of their lives. So, for example, time limits. You know, you, you can say I want to be on Twitter 15 minutes, but the problem is, you know, when you're using Twitter and it's 14 minutes and you know 50 seconds, you're going to think, oh no, this is so important. I need to, I, I need to keep going. Um, so it's not really going to work for you. So it doesn't really fit very well with, you know, the 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 context of, of what you need. But yeah, so. You know, the, the way it actually works is we use a, a VPN, which you install. It's installed on your phone as part of uh, when you install Opal. And then uh, we are able to, through the VPN, block certain connections to certain apps at certain times. So that's how, yeah, technically how Opal works. But in the way it works is you, you download the app, you install it, then you, you start a session. And at that point, Opal will block all distracting apps from your phone. You can choose which distracting apps you want to include or exclude. So you have hundreds of choices from you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, uh, Snapchat, but also 
you know, work tools like Gmail, Slack, because it can also be a distraction, um, all the way to, you know, thousands of news sites and many others. And basically you, um, so you choose which, which apps are, are, are a distraction for you. And then, you know, we're going to block them by default. And as you were describing, you can use them, but when you use them, we ask you to set an intention and a timer. So you say, I want to use Twitter for 10 minutes because I want to, um, you know, check uh, Chris's Twitter feed. And at the end of those 10 minutes, the app is going to be disconnected again. So yeah, that's, that's how, that's how it works. Is there anything that since you've, you've now launched, you have thousands of users, is there any uh, customer requests that you've been getting that uh, maybe you weren't expecting? Uh, yeah, <laughs> there's a, well, a lot of people want to be able to use Opal on their computers as well as on their phones. So we're working towards that um, because of course, a lot of people are on phones and computers most of the day. So that's one, you know, there's a, this is kind of a detail, but it's interesting. I, I didn't realize how many people want dark mode on their apps. Uh, that's a huge request where people want like, you know, darker colors uh, for, for, for nighttime. Um, that's a small one, but yeah, other than that, adding a lot of apps, we're discovering that like, for instance, chess is a big addiction. Apparently like people want to add chess apps to the block list or, um, you know, games is a big one. And, um, yeah, we're, we're just learning every day from people. And have, are you seeing anything that when people go to log into that app and the, and the Opal notification comes up, are most people pressing never mind and putting the phone back down? So actually right now it's about a half of the people that are actually setting an intention and half they're not. So you're not, <laughs> you're not, you're not alone in, uh, in dismissing that. But even if you don't set it, I think just seeing it and thinking about it, even, even if it's for half a second, um, I think it's still, still valuable. Yep. All right. I just wanted to talk just a little bit about, uh, you raised a four and a half million dollar series a, uh, in a pandemic year. Series seed. Series yeah. C, seed. Was that challenging? Did it, was it quick? How was that experience for you? So we were lucky enough to actually start, well, just before the pandemic hit, early, we incorporated in January and, you know, early March, um, everything shut down. But actually what that meant is we, we set up the company um, as fully remote from day one. And so right now we're nine people at full time, but we are all, uh, we don't have an office. We're all in different, different countries and working fully remotely and asynchronously. And so that allowed us to actually, from the very beginning, set things up for remote and set things up for asynchronous communication. Um, whereas a lot of companies, you know, I think were not really prepared and had to kind of adapt uh, the pandemic. We were kind of born uh, in it. So we had to, you know, build things for it from the beginning. And um, yeah, as far as fundraising goes, we're actually super lucky as well that all of our investors essentially were people who were using the app um, and loved it and uh, reached out to say, yeah, you know, we want to, we want to participate in, in, in the round. So it actually came together you know, pretty quickly. Um, and we ended up raising you know, more than we than we anticipated uh, because of that. I think, I think a lot of people are realizing, especially people who you know, have had um, a long experience in Silicon Valley, maybe some of them have been involved in um, some of these other companies before uh, that you know, are from the attention economy. And a lot of people are realizing that, uh, that there's lots of issues around that. And you know, so we kind of came around to it and you know, want to do things differently. I think that that also helps a lot uh, with with traction on the investment front. Um, that you know, I think 
we we represent a different a different future hopefully for technology whether it's google facebook pushing for more connection more access to information you know faster faster internet faster you know better hardware and you know what what we're saying is selective information uh, giving people control over what they decide to consume and i think that vision resonates with a lot of people and so we're lucky enough to be able to um yeah raise raise quite fast um this year and then one maybe one more question on the business like how do you think about the incumbents like a facebook that probably isn't thrilled that you've developed an app that would get people to use their product less like how do you think about all those companies that want you to use more and you're saying use less so hopefully we're showing a different way. Um, you know, we're, we're not saying that, that these companies are bad. You know, we're simply saying uh, in moderation. And while you know, people, humans need control over what they actually uh, choose to uh, consume, the information they choose to have. When is the right time to to consume this information? So you know, hopefully we'll inspire a lot of these companies to change the way they're For doing sure. things. And you know, uh, uh, we're uh, we're building um, independently. We uh, we want to remain uh, an independent assistant that will, you know, essentially the, the vision long term is that we want to be on every one of your devices and serve as an assistant to you to figure out what it is that you want to do today, what it is that you want to do in your life, and then make sure that your screen time actually matches with your intention and with your goals. And um, I think that you know those companies are developing softwares and different kinds of really amazing tools that can be very helpful, can be very useful if used in moderation and if uh, the user is in control. Yep. I just have a couple personal questions, and then we'll uh, we'll kind of bring it home. Is there something that you believe in that a lot of people that you know don't believe in? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's going to sound really weird, but that's what this question is for. Okay. Let's put it this way. I think a lot of people live in their heads. You know, a lot of people live in, in their minds and, uh, spend a lot of time, you know, thinking about, you know, how, how can I, uh, how can I be better? How can I, uh, you know, be more successful? How can I solve this problem? I actually think that in order to be, in order to be happy, in order to be well, you need to be to, to also have balance between between you know mind and body, um, and to make sure that you you know you listen to that you listen to your body as well as, as you listen to your, your thoughts. And so that's a little bit of a weird uh, way of thinking that is closer to you know people that do yoga and people that do like meditation. Uh, and in tech, it's not so much the case. I think the mind and body kind of connection and and uh and balance is, is very very important and you know part of what opal uh, helps you do is hopefully you know by not spending as much time on screens the way you don't want to uh you can also just you know, i think it's okay to take time off um i think it's okay to just like breathe and uh and and, and feel good in in your body so yeah that's what i would say that's that's my weird that's my weird point all right, you have worked at several companies. You've you're building a successful business. What is some of the best advice that um, you've received throughout your life, whether that's business advice or personal advice? Yeah, I think probably the best would be to learn to say no. That can be really hard uh, to do, and you know what that means is 
you know, just be selective, figure out what you want, figure out wh- what's your goal. And then, um, whether, you know, what's asked of you can, uh, can help you reach that goal. And then, you know, learn to say no, be, be fine with, uh, with saying no, that would be my, my top one. Okay. And, uh, is there a book that you've read that's had an impact on your life? Let's see, yeah, the many great books around you know, managing distractions. I'm actually going to quote two. I, one of them is Indistractable by Nir Eyal that uh, actually deals directly with uh, what we're up to, which is kind of digital distraction. He actually goes over um, a lot of the research around uh, distractions and how to you know, manage them. He actually also goes through practical details of how you can learn to become indistractable. So that's actually a really interesting one and that kind of influenced a lot. And I got a chance to tell him that uh, in person, but he's um, it really influenced a lot, you know, our product decisions. And then I would mention actually a book I'm, I'm currently uh, reading in a completely different um, realm, which is called Breath, Simply Breath. And it goes over you know, this kind of mind-body connection and the importance of breathing in our day-to-day happiness and uh, well-being. And so not all about tech. There's also, you know, taking care of the body, taking care of the breath. Yeah, that's that would also be something that really is actually currently influencing me in, in, in the way I work and in, in the way I live. I just thought of this one. Um, is there something that you kind of grew up being from France and and then having experienced kind of America as well? How, how do people grow up differently in French culture than American culture that maybe has you seen the world differently? <laughs> Let's see how many how many hours we've got. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, no, I, I kind of had this weird uh, growing up experience because I'm actually half. In uh, half, my father is American. I have uh, all my paternal family in the U.S., and then I grew up in France. And my uh, mother's side is, is French. But yeah, I would say in the education, the education side of things, I think in France you're you're told to, you're basically told you're stupid and, and study your books and don't have an opinion until you know you're you're more than uh, than, than than twenty. So that's that's pretty much the approach, which. It's not really good to uh, to help people be creative and, and confident, but you know, I guess people study. Uh, whereas in the U.S., you know, it's a lot about like form your opinion, you know, speak out, ask questions in class, those kinds of this kinds of approach. That was that was definitely different, and um, I would say that's that that's one. Um, and then, yeah, I think maybe the relationship to work. You know, um, it, it's uh, it's a bit of a cliche, but <laughs> French people do like vacation and time off a lot more. Um, or I guess, you know, they, they, they think that's, that's very, very important. Whereas, you know, in the US, uh, which is also amazing, but it tends to be, you know, work tends to be really, really, really central in, in people's lives. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of in the middle. I think a healthy balance between the two is good. And, you know, um, you, can, you can work really hard. You can also take some time off and resource. And I actually think, you know, oftentimes... When you're taking time off, whether it's vacation, whether it's simply you know during the day, what you're actually doing is actually investing in the quality of your future work. So it's actually also an interesting kind of change in perspective that I think a lot of people might not have, in in particular in the U.S., uh, where you know actually taking time off is productive. Um, it's it's just 
a delayed productivity. It's something that you do to be productive in the future. Um, so yeah, that's, that's just also something that might come from this, uh, you know, dual, uh, culture and background. Well, I said that was the last one, but then I got to ask one more then. Um, okay. Do, do Americans use their phone more than other countries or is there a leading country that like, uh, like maybe China uses their phones yeah. more? Who uses them the most? Well, you know, what's interesting is that in a lot of ways, the U.S. is in advance is, is kind of a couple of years usually ahead in adoption of different kinds of technology. So, you know, when you look at the, the use of social media, uh, in particular, U.S. versus uh, like France and the U.K., uh, in particular, you would typically see the U.S. be, you know, either maybe a year or two ahead uh, mm-hmm. in an adoption, kind of lagging, lagging behind. But yeah, the the the, the stats on actual uh, phone use, you know, more recently we were getting to an average of four and a half hours per day on smartphones uh, for the average American. Um, data in Europe suggests it's a little lower than that right now, but I would say, you know, probably going to match, uh, Europe's probably going to match the U S numbers within, within, within a year. Yeah. So, all right. How can people reach you, uh, and your company? Yeah, sure. So I'm, uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, K Schlenker. Uh, you can find me there and, uh, happy to respond, happy to, um, interact there. And then my company is Opal, available on opal.so or on the uh, Apple App Store. Simply type in Opal and you should be able to find our app. Awesome. Kenneth, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. This was this was awesome. I really appreciate it. Chris, I really appreciate it. Great conversation. Thank you so much. Okay, buddy. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey everyone, it's Chris here again. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating or write a quick review. Thanks again, and I'll see you on the next episode. Chris Powers is the founder and CEO of Fort Capital LP. All opinions from Chris and guests of the Fort Podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Fort Capital LP. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for real estate or investment decisions. The Fort with Chris Powers is produced by Straight Up Podcasts.